getting the message through the songs we're singing this evening about this Father who loves us, about the relationship that we can have with him as children of God. And all these words are taking me back to a story that over the past year I just keep coming back to over and over. We call it the story of the lost son, or perhaps I would, I would say the lost sons, because there's two sons mentioned in the story. And maybe I think this evening those two sons represent maybe people who are here tonight and where you are with God. We remember the one, of course, who went away and wasted all his dad's money and whose life went completely off in the wrong direction. But he decided that he should come back to his father. And he must have wondered, will my father have me back after all that I've done? And yet he made the journey to come back. And maybe tonight you're thinking, could God really care for me? Could God really accept me if he knows what I'm like, if he knows what I've done? And the story reminds us that uh, as the sun was approaching and coming back with a well-prepared speech, his father cut all that short and his father ran to him and saw him and was filled with compassion and threw his arms around him kissed him. That was not a cool way for a Jewish father to behave, to run and to hug. And that may not be your image of God this evening as a father who would run and hug and embrace you and accept you. But that, I believe, is exactly who God is. And maybe for some of you tonight, that's what you need to realize and you need to come back to him. Well, maybe you're a bit like the other son who we tend to forget, who was there and lived with his father. Maybe you come here every week because you come here every week and it's what you do. But maybe you've just lost sight of the relationship that you have with God as a father. Just now, even son, I'm no longer a slave to fear. But in the story, the other son is angry and says, I've slaved for you. That was his vision of his relationship with his God. I've slaved for you. I've worked for you. There was no joy in it. And maybe tonight, for some of you, you need to think that's not the way it needs to be. For the father reminded this son that uh, you always have me. You've always got everything. Everything I have is yours. I want to share it with you. And maybe some of you tonight, you're not sharing what God has for you. And you need to allow him to do that and come back to him this evening. Thanks, Andrew. Andrew, you might come up. I had a vision of a temple. It was a pyramid built out of ice. And the sun was beating down on it. And I was waiting for the ice to melt in the sun. But it just stayed as it was. And then I noticed there were fish trapped in the ice. And they were alive. They were trying to move. They were trying to escape. But they were trapped in this ice. And then I looked around the side of this pyramid, this temple. And I noticed that it was melting from the inside. And then there was this gushing water pouring out the side. And in this water, there was all this fish and this, uh, this life, this exotic life. 
pouring out of the inside of this temple. And then as I watched, it just collapsed in on itself. This temple just melted. And there was this body of water just teeming with life. And what I'm getting from this is that sometimes our relationships with God are like frozen temples. They are how they are and they have been for a long time. But God wants us to be like a body of water, a living water, a life and living. If any of these words are, are for you, if you can go and talk to each of, each of the Andes and actually share that with them, that would be a really encouragement. Um, Steve just gave me a, a, a beautiful word, um, and it's just it's about Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. Lord, thank you for speaking to us. Pray give us hearts, all of us, give us hearts that are responsive to what you say. Amen. Will harvest be. Thank you for speaking. A couple of minutes to, to, to look at and think. A habit of the heart fasting. For the Islamic faith and for the Hindu faith, fasting is a really big thing. For the Buddhist faith, particularly when they meditate, fasting is a big thing. When it comes to a lot of the Christian strands within the church, sometimes it is quite big and sometimes it's not. It's, it's, it's not uniform. Certainly, the, the people that Jesus was talking to, the Jews, in the Bible reading that we're going to have, Jesus thought this about his disciples, loved them to the uttermost. Do you know that God loves you to the uttermost? And that if you pray, or you fast, or you give things away, those things are beautiful things to do. But they aren't things that you do to coerce God to get him to like you, or to let you off a bit. The things you do because you love them. Because you have, you're in relationship. And here's the real beauty of fasting. Fasting is for God. And Jesus says, if you make it for man, you get your reward. If you make it for God, you get your reward as well. Now before you go calculating there and think, okay, that's not bad, what sort of reward is that? Jesus makes it really plain what reward is. It's him and it's him, and it's more of him. And it's not earned. It's just that when you fast, or when you pray, or when you give money to the poor, and it's done out of love to God, it draws you closer. It's an indication of what's happening inside your heart. Quite a few people may well, and you might have done this as well, I certainly have, use fasting or prayer as a way of, of just showing God how serious you are. 
and it becomes a substitute for talking to your Heavenly Father. Even good things, even some of the most beautiful things we can do, pray and to fast, to give up for the sake of God and to give to the poor, if those things are used to avoid talking to God, that's dreadful. It's a dreadful thing to do. To actively go for second best. To actively decide that instead of being in the company of your Heavenly Father, of the person who has given everything for you to be alive, you decide to do a few wee tricks and a way of getting out of actually talking to him. And that's at the heart of what Jesus is saying here. The reward, and Christians have been embarrassed about this passage because it keeps on talking all the way through. It says, if you fast and it's just before people, you've got your reward. That's it. No. Keep on going. Be silent. And you get your reward in heaven. And your reward is him. And it's him. And it's him. And it's not an earned reward. It's just a drawing closer. Unless fasting is a, is a sign of what's happening deep inside. And a true sign of what's happening deep inside is worth nothing. It's quite a, it's quite a hard thing to, to, to take, actually, because there's something in us that desires approval. And we, we, we want God to, to love us more. We feel sometimes that he's not loving us more. He cannot love us more at all. Fasting, coming before God and giving something up on behalf of him, for him, as part of a relationship is a beautiful thing to do because you're engaging with the living God. There is friendship, friendship with God Almighty. There is relationship. There's all those things and all those things that religious people for thousands of years have been using religious practices of getting out of, of avoiding. And Jesus is against that because he died so that you and I could be in relationship with this God. And that becoming closer and closer to him all the time, you can't help but give away what you've got. You can't help but come to him and fast because he's just beautiful and you want to do things which say Lord it's not about me it's about you and it's about other people you can't help but pray because he's there he's immediate isn't that beautiful what sort of God is this It's funny that within the New Testament, there's actually very little teaching on fasting. Certainly Jesus says, when you fast, so he expects almost that some of his disciples will be, will be fasting. He gets asked questions about why him and his disciples don't fast. Some of the disciples of John the Baptist who get quite serious about when they fast. And they say, well, you know, we do this. We're, we're doing this for God. Why don't you do it? And the answer Jesus gives, and you can go and read it, we don't have time to unpack it fully, is more or less, look, it's all right just doing these things, but unless it's deep down in your heart, unless God is the center of it, it doesn't matter, it's just a, it's just a, a religious observance. That's, a bit, that's it with, with Jesus. And then if we go into the book of Acts, there's, there's twice in the book of Acts 
where people are praying and fasting. The first time, there's a group of believers in a place called Antioch, and they're together and they're praying and they're fasting before God. And within that, God speaks to them. And he says, there's a guy called Paul and a guy called Barnabas. Set them aside for me and I'll send them out. We'll send them out as missionaries. The church were praying and fasting and they were open to what God said. The second time, and I think it was, I can't quite remember, I think it was Antioch as well, where they wanted to appoint elders for the church. And it was a really big, serious thing to do. They prayed and they fasted. They deliberately prayed and fasted. What's well, a way of twisting God's arm in both occasions? Well, the first occasion, no. They were just praying and fasting and God spoke to them. The second time, where they're going to pray about elders, why did they fast? Because it's a way of showing out an outward form, God, I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking about something else. I'm thinking about you and what you want. That's what fasting is. Not thinking about yourself, but giving something up for someone else. That's the only, that's the only two times in the New Testament that fasting is mentioned right, in the early church. So, who's fasting for? Not those around us, it's for God, but not in a way that twists his arm. Now, if we're going to be fully sort of honest about this, fasting can also be for ourselves. I don't know about you, but I, I have to fast before they take blood from me. I am told I have to fast before they take blood from me. And from the nods, I can see you're the same. And it's, it's pretty good. There might not be any great religious significance about it, but it's a good thing to do. Also, it's a way of just saying no to yourself and just being a little less self-centered. It's also a way of giving up something and then when you go back to it, just finding out how much you really liked it. And I made the mistake of fasting and giving up chocolate. I, I thought it was a real bad move until I tasted chocolate again and then just went, just couldn't speak. Wonderful. Now, those things are about us there's nothing particularly spiritual. Anyone in the world could benefit from those things. The medical significance, the, the sort of um, thinking about yourself a, a, um, a little less, about the, the beauty of coming back to something anew. But I'll tell you something, each of those things, if you give them to God and give them to Him in relationship, they become things of beauty. It's funny, anything you give to Him becomes a thing of beauty. As long as those things do not take the place of relationship, the thing that we constantly want to do, why is that? There's something twisted in us where we constantly want to do something for God, to God, which is about us on our terms as a way of impressing Him. Rather than just coming into His presence through the blood of Jesus. What did I think when the challenges? <laughs> to me from this. I'll tell you the challenges to me and then you can work out the challenges to you. The first set of challenges. John Spicer, who are you? No, really, John Spicer, who are you? And who sees the real you? When you guys are looking at me in the front, what do you see? Are you seeing the real person? When I'm on my own, what am I actually like? Do I even know what the real John Spicer looks like? I believe that God does. 
But sometimes I wonder about myself. Why ask that, who you are, who sees the real you? Because we constantly play. We play act to impress others, to impress God sometimes, but we play act rather than be ourselves. And the plea of God is, you don't have to do that. You don't have to pretend anymore. You don't have to pretend to these people. You don't have to pretend to me. I know you intimately. Do you know yourself? When your identity is in Jesus Christ, you don't need to play act. Second one. Who are the outward signs of your faith for? I mean, Fiona and I can, are very often quite involved in what goes on in the, in the body of people that meet here in Mutley. And we do things, some of them which look religious, some of them which don't. But all the outward things that we do, who are we doing them for? I'm not asking you to judge yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at my own life. When, when, I, when, I see, when you see me preach, I was thinking about this lying in bed this morning and it, it woke me up properly. But there's something about preaching where you must be pretty holy to be up here. Don't you think? That's okay. Hey, it makes me feel quite good about myself. I must be quite holy to be up here preaching to you. Is that what you see, my outward sign of faith? Is that what I think? It's funny, I spent quite a while just saying, Lord, can you let me see my own heart on this? I just want to search through, do I just quite like being in front of people and hearing them tell me, well, that was very good? Or all I'm caring about is just telling you what God wants? And my thought through it was a little bit of a mixture. Not so good this guy up at the front now, eh? Not so good. There's a bit of a mixture. Really, really weak to what other people think of me. I suspect that I'm not that different from people here. The one that's the, the, in some way the saddest, and this is the, the, the challenge to me, John Spicer, are you trying to impress God by doing all the things that you do? And, and, you know, and they can be great things. They can be wonderful things. But are you trying to impress them? Are you trying to impress the person that you just can't impress because he can't love you anymore? Because all he wants you to do is to draw close to him, not impress him. Just draw a little bit closer. Are you someone here who ha- doesn't have a faith but feel that by doing religious things that it might be okay in the end? Sort of a little bit, little bit like take out fire insurance? You know, not quite sure there is a God there, but someone talked about a big bad fire, fire insurance. That's what I need. You're still doing things just to coerce or to change God's mind. You can't do it because he's for you. I mean, I love saying this because it's true. God is for you and God is for you and God is for you. And see when someone tells you different, it's not true. The God of Jesus Christ is for you, and he's for you, and he's for you. And went to huge lengths to show that. Here's one. This, this, this surprised me when I wrote this down. and felt me a, a little bit ashamed. Is God's reward that keeps on talking about in all these passages, is it everything to you? You know, when you read, and you will get your reward in heaven where rust and everything cannot touch it. Is it everything to you? 
Or is it a wee bit of a disappointment? Maybe you were hoping for something better, better recognition, right hand of Jesus. Two fishermen wanted that. It wasn't quite good enough. They wanted the right hand when he came into heaven. And then finally, because it is about fasting, is there a role for fasting in your life? Is there a role for this? Not to show off, not to coerce God, but as a way of saying, I'll die to myself and I'll live to you, Jesus. Because that's what fasting is. Dying to yourself and I'll live to you, Jesus. That's fasting. And I'll show you that in a minute. Is there a role for fasting in the life of the church? Is there a role for us, collectively, to fast as a way of saying something that's inside, not going through a ritual, something that's inside which says, we want to live for you and we want to die for ourselves, die to ourselves. Now, that last one, and I'll leave this with you, is there a role for fasting in, 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 your, in your life and the life of the church? The key thing in all of this is make sure you understand what fasting is. Food, not taking food, we call that fasting, but look behind it. It's all about saying no to yourself and yes to God. If you don't believe that, I'm going to read you a passage from a prophet, Isaiah, who wrote many hundreds of years before Jesus. And I'm sure that Isaiah's words were in Jesus' mind when he was talking about how not to fast. Because here is God talking through this man in almost prehistoric times. And yet it speaks right through to us. It's in Isaiah 58. Shout it loud. Do not hold it back. Raise your voice like a trumpet, Isaiah. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what was right. But in fact, they've forsaken me. They've forsaken the commands of their God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for me to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and God, you've not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you just haven't noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do what you please. You exploit your workers. Your fasting actually ends up in quarreling and strife and in punching each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one head like a reed or for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? The Lord says to you, is not this the kind of fasting that I want? Wait for it. To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wandering wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. All these things say no to yourself and yes to God and other people. Here's the reward. Here's the reward that Jesus talked about. Not that we earn, but it comes because that's happening in our heart. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. 
and your healing, not just the healing of the people around about you, your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. I'm here. Fasting is not for those round about us. It's an inward sign an outward sign of something that's happening inward. That's what it must be. And if the two don't connect with one another, it doesn't matter. No matter how long, how little food, how little water, how good the reputation, unless what is going on inside is reflected by what's going on outside, it doesn't matter. If what's reflected on the, if, if what's reflected on the outside is true, healing is the result for you and for other people. Not earned. You don't do it. It's not like a slot machine. I'll put in some humility, put in some fasting. Oh, good, we've got that out. Those are all things which the heart of God responds to. We get him. I am here. We get him. What else is there? What else is there? Is that disappointment to you? That's all we get. You don't get riches. You don't get power. You can search for those things, but then you get your reward. Fasting, prayer, giving stuff away, all of the good stuff. If it's not done in relationship with him, it might do the people that you're helping a lot of good, but it doesn't do anything for you at all. And all God wants to do and fasting and all these other external things is to give you and me himself. That's stunning. God, I'm going to just say it again. God wants to give you and me himself. That's why we worship. That's why we serve. That's why we believe. That's why we're Christians. That's why we fast. That's why we meet together. That's why we help the poor. Because God wants us for himself to meet us and to draw close. That's why Jesus said, I've come to give you good news. Let's pray. The band come up. Lord Jesus, it's astounding that you, you want to do this. We look at our world and we just see so much that seems to be against you. We look in our churches and we see so much that seems to be against you. We look in our own hearts and we see so much that seems to be against you. Even our religious observances are ways sometimes of avoiding you rather than engaging with you. And so we cry... Lord, thank you for having mercy. Lord, thank you for not letting that stop you going to the cross. We cry, Lord, we praise your holy name that you knew exactly how we are and yet you still love. You know exactly how we are and yet you still accept. You know exactly how we are and the way we try and avoid and yet the whole time 
Lord, you're looking just for little glimmers of the desire to be with you in true fasting, in true prayer, in true giving to the poor. Help us now, Lord. Help us now as we reflect on these things, as your word sinks deep into us and my words start to disappear. Help us to know and to live in the good of a God who desires true fasting, who desires real, intimate prayer, not just words. And who desires us to be more like Jesus. We pray more and more for a family likeness, Jesus Christ. Amen.